0: Welcome to How to Have Fun at Work. My name is Lynn Parker, and I spent years doing something I was good at, but not having any fun. Then one of my clients told me, women aren't funny. So I created Funny Women, and the rest is history. In this podcast, I talk to guests from both comedy and business. They have a lot more in common than you would ever imagine what has been your greatest challenge personally and professionally? Some of us actually thrive on challenge and it gives us the impetus to succeed. For others, it's all too much. My guests have both faced some incredible life challenges, which I hope they will share with us today. So welcome Lisa Goodchild and Charlie George. Yeah.
1: Hi. (laughs) Hello! Hello. Hi, thanks for having us. Now, you you
0: two have never met before, so extra hellos. Hey! (laughs) Hi, Hi, John. And I hope you'll have an awful lot in common. But um, let me first introduce uh, Lisa Goodchild. She is the self-styled chief troublemaker and educator of digital agency DigiWoo. She is also the founder of the DigiLearning charity on a mission to reach 1 million young people by 2024, driven by her belief that digital should be the fourth pillar of education. Lisa grew up in the poorest family on the estate and quickly realised that her love of technology was a virtue. She set up her first agency when she was only 22. That was two weeks ago, wasn't it, Lisa? Yeah. (laughs) And in (laughs) 2001, before digital went mainstream. And she went on to create one of the leading female digital publishers working with global brands, Earning recognition as a top 100 entrepreneur. There's actually so much more I could say, but she loves to talk. So let's do that right now, Lisa. So (laughs) (laughs) that's my Graham Norton moment when I get to introduce you. So, Lisa, you want to change the world and you've clearly made a start. You're a woman after my own heart. We've worked together and we've really
2: had some fun, haven't we? Yeah, we have indeed. Thank you for having me. And I think this is going to be a brilliant (laughs) session.
0: So guest number two is the amazing Charlie George, who was an extremely worthy runner-up in the 2019 Funny Women Stage Award. And that same year, she won the LGBTQ New Comedian of the Year. As well as performing stand-up, Charlie is a talented and accomplished comedy writer and has featured in Charlie Brooker's Writer's Room, working on Kunk and Other Humans, the BAFTA-nominated Antiviral Wipe and Death to 2020. She has also written for Channel 4's election night special, Have I Got News for You, and Frankie Boyle's New World Order. She was recently selected out of 3,700 writers for the Penguin Right Now programme, we want to know more about that, to write her very first autofiction book, Door to Door. There's more, and many challenges along the way, but let's talk to the woman herself charlie yay hi oh wow it's
1: like i don't know about you but like i find like when you do an intro or a bio like i feel this like intense aversion and then i'm sort of sitting through going oh yeah did i do that oh yeah i
0: remember that (laughs) be proud be proud now charlie this all sounds brilliant and fun but there's been lots and lots of hard work along the way and many challenges but very quickly what's been the most fun just one thing performing your own material seeing it being performed by other people? The most fun is when people come up to you
1: afterwards and say that they're connected with something. And it's always something really unexpected that you've written, and it's always a really unexpected person. Like, I've had a, a really sweet couple who were a gay couple. Uh, they were ex-Jehovah's Witnesses, and they came up to me and t- t- wanted to tell me about them getting married and them leaving the religion, and I was just really moved
0: by that. Oh. Well, we'll come to that because that is all big part of your message and your story. Um, now, I clearly love a challenge, which is why I set up Funny Women 2002. And some of us really need the focus of, of life's challenges, don't we, to, to get things on track? Um, so I'm going to come to you first, Lisa. Yes. What
2: What has been your biggest challenge? I think my biggest challenge has possibly been people underestimating me based on my accent or the way I look, which has also been a superpower because they've underestimated me. And then I've gone, hey, I'm going to show you how it's done. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah it's that it's underestimation actually there's been a couple of articles this last week about how what a big impact and uh, your accent has on people and their biases against you and it's very interesting that we Mm. we think that you know Boris very well spoken is extremely he's a genius and he went to the right school so surely he's got to be a genius hello his parents paid for him to go to the right school (laughs) oh
1: this is so interesting (laughs) I so love this you know there's a whole thing because like a lot of leaders I'm so interested in what we respect and authority this comes across in stand-up too of like what we perceive to be a safe pair of hands versus a woman speaking on stage and how we deliver a joke and apparently because women's language can be softer people don't laugh as much because it doesn't get that same kind of punching is what they're saying and it's to do with you know people training their voices to have a more masculine authoritarian privately educated (laughs) voice so that people respect them more because there's this ingrained bias in like accents and languages. So yeah, you raised such an interesting point there. I
0: think I think that's another whole podcast we'll have to come back and do <laughs> or do this all again. Um Charlie, now you like a challenge. You. you talk yeah. about your personal challenges on stage. Do you want to just elaborate a little bit for us?
1: Yeah, um I grew up uh, Jehovah's Witness and with a a single parent um, uh, from a working class background in Swindon, where I also experienced quite a lot of uh, racial abuse in my kind of schooling and upbringing. So yeah, those things were probably huge (laughs) initial challenges. Uh, Selling God on the streets to uh, everyone in your class uh, is is, not a highly recommendable thing for coming across as cool as a teenager.
0: No, and this comes across very clearly in your stage uh, presence as well. Your mixed race, your queer, you you allude to all of that in your stand-up. And is that something that informs your writing as well?
1: Yeah, I don't think I can get away from it because it's who I am. But I am at a stage now where I feel like really similar to kind of what you were saying about your accent or like an identity aspect sort of hindering you. as kind of feeling that like being, trying not to be limited by that and trying to just be accepted as the whole of you instead of just those things is something that I'm kind of experiencing as a challenge at the moment that feels like the next step is getting beyond this this narrative that I didn't choose you know that's just yeah. kind of where you're from and and what you're what your starting points are in life. Um, but those were the initial challenges, yeah. And, I, and definitely that's something that I, I talk about a lot on stage and I'm really excited that it connects with other people.
0: Now, Lisa, you also, when you talk in public, you talk a bit about your working class background as well, don't you? So very
2: quick, very quick summary. Well, I think it's more of criminal class. I don't know whether that exists, but... <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah were, my, good,
2: good good material for stand-up I think <laughs> yeah, very very, extremely we've got some great um real life stories for sure that I could possibly share um I visited many prisons as a kid many people I thought I went to school telling everyone my my granddad was a police officer he wasn't he was in prison for driving a lorry uh-huh. load of drugs into the country um my stepdad was a, a heroin addict my dad left when we was kids my mum was she suffered from bipolar and uh I sold drugs as a kid at 13 I was selling heroin and life was pretty dim but it was really cool as well because you had this crazy world that you learned so much and you learned to hustle and it was funny because we're doing this mad fest event um in July and they were like Lisa you 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 hustle and I'm like yeah because when you grow up with nothing you hustle (laughs) and it's great (laughs) yeah
0: um I too grew up in a working class environment. My father hustled for everything. He taught me the art of networking, which is sort of a dirty word now, but actually he was a very early adopter, but it was, it was his kind of networking, which uh, was things off the back of a lorry. <laughs> but anyway, we, I think we all have a, quite a lot in common. Uh, Lisa, tell us a bit more about digi learning, please.
2: Yeah. So about seven years ago, I took part in the marketing academy. I was, they take 30 people from around the country, all these marketeers, and they take a couple of entrepreneurs. And I was lucky enough to be one of those entrepreneurs. And it was there that I did leadership. And I'd never really done anything like that. I grew up on the streets. I was like a feral child. You know, I just, sort of dug around and made things happen it all worked out so it was really interesting to go through like leadership and what goals are and your vision and what you want in life and and I was like I want to help young people and I'd already been helping a lot of women and talking in schools and always trying to obviously with my background like yours you end up helping the people around you because that's what you do and um yeah it's been a amazing journey um so far um with everything that's been going on and it's given me such a uh, a benefit in life of you know you know what's uh, happening and the direction that i'm going so digi learning became born from that from all the stresses and i realized that all young people have a superpower and how can I help young people have a superpower? So I came out with no GCSEs. I had to go and speak to the lecturer of this degree that I wanted to do and be like, please let me in. He let me in. I sat there, learned everything. And digital is this amazing space because it's so creative, as we all know. And being able to have those skills with creating video, creating animations, creating audio, those skills just gave me this ability as well to be able to do anything like during covid i've built i've gone back to my like 20 years ago and i'm like building websites and just doing stuff and you know working with the kids and it's just been amazing and digi learning is just about yeah helping young people find their superpower because not only do they need to find their superpower industry is missing this superpower because we have got the same old bland people in charge in particularly mm. in certain industries it's, it's getting boring You're listening to How to Have Fun at Work, brought to you by Funny Women and Hilarious.
0: So, um, Charlie, comedy is your superpower, isn't it, really? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, oh, I don't know that everyone would agree with you, but I think so, yes. Um, yeah, comedy is my thing. I've been, uh, yeah, I mean, I've been in the arts since I was a kid, kind of doing various different things like talent programs and diversity schemes. But yeah, like I've been writing and performing comedy um, for a while now and half my job is kind of quietly alone, listening to music, writing scripts, writing to brief. And I'm working on uh, a manuscript. I think, as you mentioned in my bio, at the moment I'm writing a book um, called Door to Door, which is about my experiences growing up mixed race and evangelical with like a racially different parent and what that was kind of like and um yeah about me and my sister's kind of upbringing and how it shaped us as people because I can really connect to a lot of what you're saying is that of that energy of of hustle you know like my mum also had issues with addiction and mental health stuff and there's lots of times we were raising ourselves and I actually feel really grateful for that now because the way that I'm a self-employed freelancer with an agent and they're working for me and I've kind of I've got to steer everything that I'm doing so much of that comes from everything that I learned in my early life where I like know how to take control of a situation and lead stuff and I didn't even realize like you know I could probably do with one of those leadership courses you're describing so I was <laughs> like oh yeah I think I'm doing that but I just wasn't you know when you're just not <laughs> conscious of it you're like oh yeah I'm, I'm steering my life and taking control of stuff and setting myself goals and then trying to like Go further with those. Um,
0: I think. I think. I think doing stand up is a is a version of leadership, though, because by getting up on stage and talking about your life experiences, you're you're showing people what can be achieved. I I really think people underestimate the power of comedy and humor. I think it's really important, don't you think, Charlie?
1: And I think especially with the you know, I think it's always been important. I think we've always needed the jester to look at what's going on in life and like point at it and be like isn't this insane that we do this and then we all get to like have that relief and I didn't realize that when I was a kid it's so funny looking back since I've been writing this book and and looking at that time in my life I was like oh yeah I used to do this so at bible study I used to take like our Jehovah's Witness literature and I'd like take an advert that was like famous at the time like a Snickers ad or something that was going around that was really funny and I used to like write jokes in the magazine I'd pass it around at bible study to try and get (laughs) all the kids to crack up and I totally forgot that I did that but it was like I liked the fact that we were all a bit tense or a bit bored and going through stuff at home uh, because we're all kind of wayward kids and it was just a chance to make people feel good and forget for a little while and like that's the thing that I really like doing and I think I've started to value it more as yeah that's my skill that's the service I provide people is relief and joy and I think that that's a
2: valuable service actually.
0: What do you think Lisa? I think Charlie would be very inspirational for some
2: of your young people wouldn't she? Oh my gosh and also like what you said, Comedy is so important. It's so important that our young people, especially um, in times in the world, it's hard to, you know, get it's very easy to get caught up in life. And comedy just helps you to get that relief. And I have to say, Charlie, when I was a kid, we had Michael's mum, she was a Jehovah's Witness. She saved us <laughs> so many times. She gave us breakfast. We used to knock on the door, say, hello.
1: oh great it's so good when someone knocks on a Jehovah's Witnesses door because we're so used to people running away from us it's really good for our (laughs) self-esteem so thanks for that yeah really
0: Charlie um let's talk a little bit about my favorite subject about women in comedy and do you do you think you faced particular challenges when you first went into comedy and what have you done personally to overcome those
1: yeah, I mean, I think there's all the challenges if you are from a more sort of working-class background and you don't have support. It's similar to, like, I feel so much for all younger generations trying to get into stuff and especially challenging creative things. It's like you have those barriers of time, money, and affordable housing, <laughs> which I've had for a really long time. And your education is a debt sentence. You might have lack of support and access, you know, difficult access to networks. These are all really huge, I think, for people... Um, you know, because there can be some people who come up through top top schools in, in the country and then they have like an improv group or they have a the comedy stuff. And if you're not from that background, you know, I started to stand up like a lot of people whilst having a full time job and then you're going out in the evening trying to perform and you're knackered and you're, you know, trying to get your landlord not to, you know, put the rent up and all of these kinds of challenges were there very much in the beginning. Also, I think, um, you know, there is a lot of tension in comedy right now. Like there's a really interesting thing about white men being angry at kind of, you know, people of colour sort of supposedly taking their jobs. The thing is, is I've never had a job that hasn't been through a diversity scheme. So unless those white men are applying for a short-term, low-paid contract (laughs) as an Asian writer initiative, (laughs) I don't think I've stolen your job. Do you know what I mean? I think it might be a different job that you're talking about. Um, So there's that tension where sometimes I think the way that you're different feels like a weapon to other people, Mm. where they use that as a way to be angry at you. So those were all of my barriers. And I think... The ways that I've tried to overcome it is like, yeah, I don't think I'd be in the arts if it wasn't for diversity schemes. I think that they are serving a purpose. I think there's an argument for whether or not they should still be there or whether we should just be hiring people now. Um, Yeah. But they have helped me. And the other thing is like building and finding networks of my own. So like when there hasn't been a network, you know, connecting with other people who are making networks for women and women of colour writers and spaces where I felt, I can get the kind of support that bolsters me so that when I'm going out into those sort of male heavy spaces or spaces where there's going to be a lot of antagonism about who I am, that I have a group of people who really understand what mm.
0: that is. It's kind of like we're kind of like a force field for each other. Um, I, yeah. I would say that, that, yeah, those people have your back. And where Lisa and I have connected has been on the equivalent uh, project that I set up About three years ago now, it seems to be seems to have come around very quickly. Uh, But we set up Hilarious as an initiative specifically for the creative industry because the same things were happening in big agencies. It was all young men in skinny jeans and check shirts, you know, who were getting the gigs. And I actually have a son who's a absolutely that, (laughs) But, but you know, and we've discussed it quite a lot about the way diversity is changing things. So he, you know, he has to work a bit harder to get the work, but that's all right because at the end of the day they'll employ the right people for the job. But Lisa, do you find that is still
2: something you're encountering in the creative industry? Oh gosh, it's massive. Look, I'm still the only common uh, in the room or you know, <laughs> actually when we're doing Madfest, we're gonna do um like a privilege thing. So everyone, we're gonna get everyone to stand up and we're gonna say, you know and set a series of questions and get people to sit down so they can actually realize how ahead of the game they are or make them think mm. because it is it's it's ridiculous like not it's not even ridiculous for young people in the position it's ridiculous for business because for the bottom line we're like when you think of certain industries when you look at the music industry and the football industry they're out scouting for these people in those areas well actually every other industry needs to do that because that's what needs we need pathways Mm. into these spaces and it does need to be forced I'm afraid because it's not happening naturally we've still got a government that is full of Etonians it's unbelievable and shocking (laughs) in this day and age we need I'm not saying no Etonians just a few less that's all yeah 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 or yeah.
1: well, just different perspectives in the room right like so that you feel that because I can say from my point of view being the only one is not a nice feeling and that's the thing that maybe why I feel this kind of issue with the diversity schemes being sort of like a like um it looks like you're doing the right thing but if there aren't the opportunities after that scheme has ended and then you're still kind of fighting for these jobs, or often you're the only one, kind of the the pressure on you. I should not have to feel that every time I go on stage or every time I'm writing for a thing, people are looking at me as the authority on the perspective of what it is to be a woman of colour, because it's like, I don't have that. I only have my very weird, specific experience. And so if we had more people, you would get more different types of perspective, which would be great. And that's like class, backgrounds, everything. Like you just kind of want that breadth of experience i also think it would make stuff better because i just think that those different kinds of heads and perspectives would have you know would better better problem solve be funnier maybe who knows <laughs>
2: yeah you're right it's a tick box this is the problem lots of industries yeah. are doing tick box and it's not about tick box it's about finding pathways and actually finding talent that really match those positions mm. that are available because there's ridiculous talent as we know with the Stormsies, with the roonies yeah. you know those industries you know they're brilliant amazing geniuses and they're out there i mean our prison systems are full of them that's a really sad thing you know yeah. um, a system where you know most 50 percent have been through the child care system. Hello. If that's not the biggest travesty and the biggest injustice in the world, I don't know what is. Um, we've absolutely failed them. I'm so sorry. What's up? Yeah. Yeah. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this?
0: This is how to have fun at work with Lynn Parker, the founder of Funny Women. To find out how to have fun in your workplace, visit www herlarious.co.uk. Lisa, have yeah. you had the experience of going into prisons and working with young people or women specifically?
2: Um, I have not yet, and it's something that we've got on our uh our our agenda to do for Mm. sure because i think um we could make a real difference to Mm. those people we're just trying to at the moment because the young people from 16 to 24 you see we're seeing a massive rise in self-harm depression um eating disorders going through the roof so it's just about Mm. you know getting them to start Thinking different, and so we'll move on to the prison system because I think um, the prison system's got a huge awakening to come. Like most industries, really, all of them are broken. Politicians, education... Prisons, lots of fix.
1: <laughs> but yeah, it sounds like your work's amazing for that type of stuff. I mean, I used to, before, like before I was doing stand-up, I was working a lot in kind of social care and social work. And I was a youth worker for a while. And I've worked with like young boys that were connected. I also live with a woman who worked in um, a prison. And so I did some stuff with her in, day, in, in dayca- daycare, day centre stuff uh in Pentonville and like yeah it's I feel a lot of for me my big con- biggest connection at the moment is actually connected to class and the way that I feel that yeah. people from the town that I grew up in or people who did get in trouble or who went in the way of addiction wouldn't like did not get the same opportunities that I did to realize their potential and for me if it hadn't been finding the arts and having a drama teacher that pushed me into these schemes and this other kinds of stuff in my town and then had those opportunities to get bursaries and do stuff for free but also like you know I had that kind of support network and found these kind of peers in my schooling to do that like I'm really keen on looking at like ways that we could do more stuff with that like I know there's some people doing stand-up or doing comedy with people in spaces to work on their kind of self confidence like maybe not even wanting to go on to do comedy but being able to articulate mm. an idea and speak about yourself with confidence like that's just such a huge thing I mean for me it was huge when I came to stand-up I didn't have really great self-esteem I'd been a dancer for years kind of hiding behind physical stuff and it was a huge tool for accepting myself and realising mm. that I'm just as worth as anybody else just because I have a slightly different story. You know, I shouldn't feel ashamed of who I am or what my background is.
0: Well, Charlie, uh, you possibly don't know this, but one of, one of the a big side of the business that we do is exactly in that area we do a lot of corporate work and we do a lot of outreach and community work. And it's exactly that. It's about providing a space mainly for women to improve their confidence. And hearing people like you and Lisa speaking is part of that, you know, because if they can hear people like you from a working class background who've created amazing businesses and charities and carved a career and writing books, I think that's really, really super inspiring. I want to get back to the topic of challenge. Um, so do you think, this is a very leading question here, are women better at dealing with challenge? I I, I do want to be um, sexist about this because I, I personally think that women take on challenge in a very different way, mainly because we have a lot of physical things to deal with. Um, so Lisa, let me come to you first on that one.
2: Yeah, I do think that women take on challenge um, really well, probably because we're sort of pre-programmed with periods and then menopause and all of this stuff that gets us ready for life like when my other half's got a headache I'm like I'll bore off do you know what I mean like seriously <laughs> my womb is screaming every month like <laughs> and also I've had two children I'm like hello I had an emergency friggin' cesarean and I had one come out that way I'm like I've had so many stitches just <laughs> get over yourself so yeah women are a really good at dealing with challenges and I think it is because we 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 have chucked things we've have lots of Things chucked at us and also we sort of we know how to deal with the bad energy from that so we'll have a cry if we feel crap, we'll release yeah. that energy. Whereas men, and we'll talk to our friends, whereas men are like, oh, no, I mustn't say that. I might look like I'm, you know, I mustn't ask for directions. It's like, mm. hey, if you're not going in a lost direction. You need to ask for
0: directions. But part of that is getting men to recognise their feminine side yeah. and for them to feel comfortable crying in front of us or asking for directions. I mean, you know, yeah. there's no shame in any of that, is there? I think it's all about equalising the the world isn't it Charlie what do you think about cha- um, uh, women and challenge
1: I think you know for me gender's always been like way more fluid I you know I think I think Lisa you were saying about being a feral child I mean that's what I felt I think that that would be my ide- gender identity if it could be just feral um, um, so, <laughs> but I think it I think there is something to be said for women's internal challenges. I think it built, leading to a certain type of resilience. I think I agree with a lot of points you've made about us having networks and, and, and being better at communicating our feelings and stuff. So all of that would stand you in good stead. But I just think leadership qualities for me is about vulnerability. And there's a lot of stuff happening with research into that at the moment. And so I think really good leadership does actually come from being able to deal with and cope with um w- like the challenges and problems in a, with sensitivity, and I and, and I think that that's actually an underrated thing. So I think that it does stand us in a different a different way. I'd like to see more male leadership that has that vulnerability, because I think there's a thing for them, sort of, you know. Yeah, re- retaining that, that it has to be this kind of very aggressive type of yeah. of power and leadership. And actually, there's other ways to lead. And I don't know that we should engender them. I just think that, like, why not just use that energy that's a bit softer and gentler about leadership at times as well is something that I'm really into at the moment.
0: And, and Charlie, um, when we run hilarious events, they're always open to men, but we rarely get that many men attending. I think they I've been told they're frightened. I mean, what the hell? What are you frightened of? You'll find out more about women if you come into our space. We've spent our careers going into a male space. Yeah. Totally. Do, you know, show some respect and come into ours. Because that
1: would be really nice, I think, for men to back female leadership. More mm. would be really, really supportive. I mean, I do know one screenwriter in the U.S. I, I want to shout out to Glenn Mazzaro, who's helped me a lot during this time, and he does a lot of diversity work and also really like supports oh. w- women running rooms and like being showrunners because I think we have this thing I've noticed a lot in the industry that when a, a, when a woman is leading something, the way that she is held to her standards, like if she gets stressed and her oh. stress comes out. Like, she's crazy, she's hysterical. Mm, A dude does exactly the same thing and he's kind of like, he's enigmatic and he's just, you know, (laughs) that's the type of leader he is. And it's like, no, we have to accept different types of leadership and start to do that. And I think that involves all genders kind of supporting each other in that. Mm,
0: Really good point. Well, we're coming to the end of our time. So I just have to ask you both for a, your favourite tip on the topic of the whole podcast, which is about how you have fun at work. So I hope you've had a chance to think about this. Lisa, what's your tip?
2: My top tip is to put music on. I am a music queen. I will dance around everything. I just don't care. As long as you dance, it just takes, you know, everything away. It makes you feel good. So, yeah, mine's put on some music at work for sure. And do check out
0: Lisa's uh, socials because she's often seen dancing (laughs) to, to, to whatever it is on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We love you, Lisa. That's great. And Charlie, what's your top tip?
1: That's so cool because music was going to be mine, but I did have another <laughs> one. And mine is basically um, reward yourself in a way that you can monitor your progress. But mine is, 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 is reward yourself in a way that encourages satisfaction for small milestones so I've got um, it's a bit embarrassing but I've got a marble jar and whenever I hit oh. some I really like them and I'll just put something in there and then I can see it filling up with stuff that I do oh that's lovely and for me then it's not about you know having to have an outcome or a huge success or achievement or something external from someone else it's about me seeing my own progress so I would recommend that to anybody
0: I just had a real pang from my childhood about marbles because I love them as well <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I, I just remember that feeling of getting a new marble or one of those really big ones with all the glitter on them. Yeah, they're Lovely. called marble marble reward jars. I highly recommend it. Especially, oh, especially, if, especially if you're one.
1: writing and you're not sure how to monitor progress on a big project, it's a nice way of
0: just being like, oh, I did another I chapter, that. put a marble in the jar. I think <laughs> that's one of the best tips we've had on the whole series. I love that. Um, and finally, Lisa,
2: what are you up to? What do you want to plug? Where can we find you? Right, so I'm at least a good child all over the place. No, I wasn't a good child, so the name is very (laughs) good. Very good. So now, (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, Digi Learning is. you know my passion my love helping our young people so we've got girl rise which is we have two programs a year we have our girl rise program which is targeted at girls and we have our um, mixed hall, which is digi rise which is in october girl rise is just coming towards the end we need we always need mentors we need workshops and obviously we need money wenga but we we we're, we're making huge difference we've got kids in the uk barbados jamaica south africa india canada holland i think oh trinidad and tobago we're getting bigger we go and seeing these girls and well young people because the the girls are on at the moment but it's just seeing the mix and look after each other and support each other and it's phenomenal so any way you can support even if it's just sharing a post or liking it we just need to make more noise that's the aim thanks i think everyone should do that
0: charlie what are you up to where can we find you
1: uh you can find me at charlie george comedy on instagram and facebook or at cg does comedy on twitter and this summer i am doing some fun work in progress shows with two other female comics of color Uh, and we're doing a triple bill show called funny femmes uh, and we're doing top secret comedy club on the 19th of july is our next date but we've got various dates over the summer and we kind of really didn't want people to think tokenistically about brown girls so we we thought to have a lineup of three of us so you can see just how different we are and how funny and distinct Aww. we are um so that's the show that i'm doing over the summer uh, as things kind of ease back and gigs come back and we'd love to see you and hopefully make you laugh who are your fellow
0: funny femmes? so
1: we've got alex petunas fernandez he's really really great he's she's been great doing some yep. funny women and charlene Jahan.
0: lovely and we'll make sure we promote that over on the funny women website as well Brilliant. for you thank charlie thank you so much well, thank you both. It is time to leave you, but what a great discussion. I hope you both enjoyed it. And um, I hope you two connect beyond, because I think... Yeah, I totally. Great- Your work sounds
2: incredible. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to connect, Charlie. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening.
0: You've been listening to How to Have Fun at Work with Lynne Parker. If
2: you like us, please subscribe, review and share.
1: Sick chicken, sick chicken, chicken, chicken.